Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the marketing minds at doyouconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peake. As always, this is episode 144 with Jackie Askews. Hi. So hey. nice to be back with you guys. It is. It is. It's been it's so a, long. Yeah, it's the OG crew that. back together, yeah. the original oh, original three. Love original it. Gangsters. Yes. <laughs> on the podcast. And as always, no shortage of things to talk about. It, it's still like, how are we not running out of things to talk about? But there's just so <laughs> much, something. So much to discuss. Uh, let's hop right into the story time because there's there's no time for chit chat. There's we got we got even more news uh, than official chit chat to talk about. Time. Yeah, <laughs> all right, Jackie. Well, I know all Jackie right. Lipinski. Uh, you weren't originally supposed to be on. Bryce had some internet issues, but anyway, she, she was already like, we need to get Jackie in to talk about what's going on in her life. Yeah, her home. So. Dun, dun, dun. I. It's funny you played the office music because I keep thinking of what I'm going to talk about. Andrew, I know Kevin, you're you know not as much of the office fan, but I keep thinking of the word bummer is when I like I'm about <laughs> to tell this story. But okay, quickly, what, what's that from for non-office people? Who says oh, that? It, it's from the office. Like who says that though? Uh, Andrew should Air- know. This is a quiz for Andrew, if no one else. Andrew, you might be like bummer. I don't know. Oh, he needs to watch more I office. I mean, it's, I've only watched it like eight, eight times. Is it the blonde-haired lady? It's no. It, it's the reception. Aaron. Mm. Aaron, okay. Aaron, and they. Uh, I need to figure out what episode this is from. And Michael Scott. Uh, I'll send you it, but it's anyway. You send it. Like, anyways, it just reminds me <laughs> what I'm going to talk about is so for all the other four people listening, I, uh, <laughs> I, so I was going into this endeavor <laughs> with building a custom home and blah, blah, blah on, you know, family land. And we are seven months into this process. We were going okay. into selections. We had signed contract, had our site visit. Very exciting. And oh, uh, the township we are moving into is also very uh, prestigious. Like it, it's not... Hoity-toity. Yes. Like it's not... It's not they we have were, caviar every day at <laughs> thank you, 5.30. Yes. Yeah. And it's just, we weren't naive going into this with thinking our property taxes would be low. I um, For those not familiar with the Pittsburgh area uh, where, where I currently reside in, um, I'm in South Hills area. It tends to be pretty crazy. I mean, you could go from a 10-minute drive from paying, you know, 10, 15,000 to down to three. And right now where I'm living, it's, it's more on the high. It's about 10,000. So going into the custom home in this new township we weren't naive we were expecting it to be estimated about 15 to 20,000 dollars a year for property taxes on our new build well <laughs> come time to you know we signed our you know in blood our, our contract and handed over left arm and leg and and we get we go back to the township to start getting issues for the permitting, the utilities, all these exciting new events as, okay, or pre-construction mode, we find out, one, a bunch of different heartbreaking realizations from the township, who has been very difficult from the start. Mm, that's a new seriously, one. Seriously. That's, that's, that's for so you, fitting. Upper St. Clair. Uh, well, I mean, I, and again, everyone, <laughs> I used to live in Pittsburgh, and Upper St. Mm-hmm. Clair was a township where, you know, Everyone wanted to build, but no one ever could build a community. There's like one builder who always had small little pocket of homes and he controlled all of the land. 
Uh, we had one neighborhood that we we put a sign up for presale, and it was there for three years to try to get through all the hurdles that Jackie's going mm-hmm. through. Wow! And that was one of the ones we never had to run a single ad ever. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, we finally made it through the gauntlet. We can build homes, and it's and it was it was brutal. Like it was a very I, I I just always we just got very defeated a lot of times with going to the township for any kind of discussions or approvals and. I'm not kidding you. Down to, I'll just give examples. We got our driveway request denied. We were told that we couldn't build this year because they reached their quota already at, at, in March last month for the year for tapping into the township's utility line. Which that, that, so, that's crazy that because, <laughs> well, so there there is a big problem, not to get too much inside baseball, but there is a problem with the you, the amount of utility infrastructure in the area. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to run out of water. You don't want to run out of sewer capacity, et cetera. But mm-hmm. to run out at that, like they're not, there's not that much construction, new construction, right. especially happening in St. Clair. Because if you're tearing something down, the tap's mm-hmm. already there. Yes. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? So that's just, that's bizarre. Uh, we used yeah. to run into that issue at times, but it would, it would usually occur where, and then maybe this has happened. If a builder... <laughs> had a bunch of home sites that were being developed, they would just pre-buy like 40 taps mm-hmm. at once. So maybe there's some big master plan in the works and they prepaid. There has to be something. I don't know. But that's an that's example. Weird. That's an example of something, a her- constant hurdle. Like none of this was easy. So so that wasn't even the tipping point. You're getting, you know, we're hearing this, we're like, okay, we'll make it work. We're, you know, keep moving forward. Then we got the bummer of all bummer news. We got an estimation back from the township once our blueprints and everything were finalized and we had our site visit, they were estimating us to pay $28,000 for property tax a year. And they also told us that's right now, that's not even after it's reassessed once it's built, which could be also, you know, jump up a little bit more. And they were told us as a warning, it was only going to go up. So they said you were probably mm-hmm. looking at $30,000 a year, you know, on top of that mortgage and everything else. So, you know, here, donate, you know, the price of a car to our township for, you know, who knows what. But mm. it, <laughs> yeah. and and so ultimately my husband and I, we sat back and you know, we nope. we decided no, like it's as much as, you know, we Man. it's devastating to be this far into the process. It's frustrating. It, you know, everybody's frustrated. It's um, you know, I'm very sensitive to other people. So naturally I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, our custom home builder, all that time we spent, like they're gonna kill us. Like it you can't help but just think of everybody involved. It's mm-hmm. a lot of time to to be in this process to, but you know, turn in lemonade into lemoncello and taking some shots. Like there's just one of those things, just you know, like we had you a couple are a of former Friday. Harlan Holmes employee. I can tell, (laughs) you know, making, you know, trying to like get through these hard or, you know, days, but it it, is just, you know, kind of sad news. And, you know, we did, I will say it's not, you know, don't cry, you know, for hours over this for us, because we did build a couple years ago. So we are just going to do some nice projects around the house we're in now and kind of make it work. But well, uh, this is an interesting segue question. Yeah. You know, does that whole experience now de-incentivize you from considering like you guys aren't hopping back on homes and land and saying, well, we found, we, we designed our perfect home. Let's find somewhere else to build it. It doesn't sound like you're kind That's of like, yeah, 
Like no, we're just gonna, I mean, we're gonna take re- a break. You retreated to like so, so yeah, we we're kind not of doing like, anything. I will say, and this is something like we're in right now a um like a four bedroom home, but you know, it's just turned the one bedroom into a joint office with French yep. doors. So it's like it works. And we have two kids under two and a half. The house we our dream home, it was a ranch. It was beautiful. And you know, the big open vaulted ceiling, just everything Pinteresty. And you know, we took a step back and thought, we're in a phase of life right now. We are moving. They're going to break all that stuff. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like with our, with the, you know, our, the in-laws, the, the land, it was, it's still less than 10 minutes away. We're close to family still. So we thought, you know, we, we can still eventually build our dream home, but right now it just doesn't make sense to add that added stress to an already busy plate. So it sounds like maybe the location is extremely important to you and options outside of what you are going to build isn't really there. Yeah. Right. Like you mm-hmm. don't have a house that's five, 10 minutes away that you could buy or move into. Well, and Ke- Kevin can do a test of this because of building a home also in like land you purchase, like right in our area, it, land is just not easily accessible. So we were very lucky even to begin with to yeah. be, you know, gifted in, in a way. Pittsburgh, two acres, yeah. like, you only find really ideal buildable land if you tear the top off of a mountain or build <laughs> at the foot of a mountain. Like you, or hill for, to be clear for those of you in Colorado, they're they're not real mountains. Um, but there's hills everywhere. So there's just not a ton of easily accessible, buildable Mm. land Yep, in the South Hills in particular. So that's a big thing when you're saying like, Oh, you could go elsewhere, but then it's like, Oh, you know, it's the added cost of paying for land when it originally, we were very lucky to not have to do to begin with. So Mm -hmm. take a step back, but Oh man, guys, it was, it was a, it was a rough transition. You know? I would have had dreams of like a zip line between your house and your <laughs> house to like and uh, the, kids. the kids. Oh, yeah. the kids. Like, oh no, we joked we would be taking over. Like, putting the kids in their little, you know, there's the Jeep, the electric. We have the parent control. They're driving them right over Being, there. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, but how about you guys? Yeah. Please someone tell me something good, bad. Uh, I have I have one other kind of sad story to share, and then we'll let Andrew lighten the mood maybe a little <laughs> okay, bit. Good. But okay. the, Similarly, there was a, a builder that we work with, a marketer who shot us an email and was like, I just read the blog post that your team wrote for us to put up on the site. Um, we have a, a freelance writer who does uh, content creation at a higher level scale that people can choose to use or personalize on their own site. She's like, I just read the one that, that you guys put up there and I, and I cried afterwards. Oh, and, oh no. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super sad because, uh, when the pandemic hit, she was already looking to move to another state to be closer to family and, and all that, but also to get to a place where there's more affordable housing. And the company agreed to keep her on, but had her move to a contract position. So now she's working for wow. herself or self-employed versus an employee. And the article that we wrote was about, uh, had written was about, how it can be harder for self-employed people to get a mortgage or things to consider and think through. And she's like, Oh man, I wish I would have read this, Oh no. uh, you know, a year ago. So I would have been prepared, but it's, it's kind of that same thing. Like going through the process of building a home on your own lot. Um, there's just some things mm-hmm. that you don't know until you get started in that process. Kind of already too far in mm-hmm. a little bit with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So That's- she, she, she's turning her lemons into lemoncello by saying, Hey, <laughs> now, now I get to live and figure out exactly where in this town that we just moved back to that I want to live and yeah. understand different areas and really make a more informed choice. Mm-hmm. But it does kind of, it stings that she's got to wait. Oh, wow. Yeah. Year or two. 
All right, Andrew. Yeah, no fun. Yeah, I got, I got two quick ones. Um, I'll start with the first one. So Lindsay, my wife, my my wife, she is now <laughs> on the uh, board for our community, <laughs> HOA. I think there should be a sound effect for that. Um, my wife. Uh, oh, no, I'm sure we got a sound effect. <laughs> yeah. It's been. Um, no, it's this one again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't it's, do that. Don't ever do that there. The, unless been, you like arguments. It's been interesting. Um, and we're only. We're 24 houses on one side, 49 houses on their side. The only amenity is the gate on our side of the community. And there's some like general landscaping. You think it would be like, what is there to even talk about? Like there's oh, yeah, nothing. Yeah. But it's just, it's just nonstop. I'm like, how is there that many issues within this community? And most of it, I don't want to give the builder a bad name, but it's, it stems from like, the handoff and the builder and just like mm. things aren't clear. Things are just kind of like, we'll just deal with this later. Once it's not our community to take care of, like let them deal with it. But then of course has to be dealt with the kid that, the what the can's been kicked down the road or whatever. Oh, so right. it's just been inter- interesting having to hear her. I'm like, are you still talking about that? Like, that was like, it's two funny days you ago. say that too. We, I just got a call from there's three uh, home sites in where our new house is being built. And one gentleman already moved in. He's on P1, we call it, or sorry, P3. We're building on P1 and there's P2. And so this is how complex our HOA is, is he he left me a voicemail and said, hey man, uh, I saw someone cutting the lawn out there. I think it's the one the developer had doing it before, but it was kind of expensive. Uh, What do you think about my kids cutting it? And we just all pay them like a a fair wage, but slightly lower than they should get just because they're my kids. Let me know what you think. All right, bye. (laughs) Like it's like... Perfect. Done. Okay. Yes. Make that happen. Oh my happen. gosh. I love it. So <laughs> approved. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that approved. simplicity. That, yeah, that would be, yeah. that would be amazing. So that's, that's, it's, it's just, we're back in that mix again. Cause we kind of got out of it once we weren't able to get the land behind our house. If everyone remembers that story, the confusion uh-huh. on that. And then the second part is I've been following this golf course that has been terrible for years. And then yes! a, a yep. real real estate attorney in the area purchased it, I think, with with some other people. So investors bought it for like $3 million. So it's been out of business for like three or four years. Taylor Morrison, 10 years ago, tried to buy it. They got denied development, so they backed out. Um, and they wanted 160 homes on this mm. piece of land. And now this developer came in. They bought it three years ago. It's been a lot of community has been against it for whatever reason. It makes no sense. Uh-huh. Why they're against it? It's it's weird because it's sitting there dormant. It's it looks the shame, terrible. yeah. And then it got denied again. I'm like, oh my goodness, because I would like if I could buy now, I I don't care whatever it costs. Like we're moving there because the location is too perfect. Um, based on we've been living in this, this area for what ten years. We grew up here. Like that location is ten out of ten. Do you know why it was denied? Like, do you know why? Um, is there issues well, with that land in general? It's close to the water. You read it and you're like, mm-hmm. who's telling the truth here? Uh-huh. It's close to the water. So they're like, we're trying to limit development in areas that could be impacted by storms. Mm. But then there's development in areas that are impacted by storms. They're like, like there's stuff all the time being built up. Right. Environmental issues, but that's because it was a golf course, so all the fertilizer and things. And so the developer had a plan in place to try to remedy that. Right now, it's just whatever happens, happens. There's nothing yeah. to it. But he did try to go... You know, Taylor Morrison was denied 160 homes. He tried to do 270 homes. <gasps> so I think the density was probably a little bit more Ooh. aggressive, but it is. Oftentimes, though, that density, of, oftentimes like when they go to that density, though, there are affordable dwelling units included. So, so it's like 
yeah, there are more units, but as the developer slash builder, I'm only going to make the money that I want to on a certain number. The others are essentially at cost or, oh, or yeah. not yeah. not the same margin because they're specified for for people who can't afford more than the average um, income of the area. Or yeah. you know. like maybe those would be the starter homes, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. for this area, it's 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 interesting because I don't know. So then it just was, I complained to my Instagram. I'm like, government, you know, they want more housing than they're denying housing. So supplies further decreased. I'm like, oh, this is like, I feel like, I know I'm simplifying all of this, but like, if we want things to be, if we want more houses, we have to let the developers right. build more houses, especially in our area. Like there's, it's probably like. Yeah, well, same about. in Upper St. Clair. I guarantee well, yeah, you at the, same, same at the same same meetings, thing. they're going to talk about, we have a real problem of affordable housing in Upper St. Clair. Mm-hmm. Yes, Jackie, give us a car every year for yes. the taxes. That's, that's something. Uh, it, like that one happened. Yep. I couldn't have said it better. You know, you can't say that you want more homes and then, and then no. you're, you're char- yeah. And then you're denying things and you're looking at a ranch and a little family with two babies going, okay, people, 30,000. Like, <laughs> And all, this is all new to me, although it's really, really interesting to me, the development side. Like his application was submitted in August of last year. And it's, so I'm like, wow. is this how slow it takes? Like what wow. in the world? Yeah. Like, it's, oh, really, it's really sad. Like, no wonder. Like, mm-hmm. so it'll be next year before there's probably another update or like late, late this year. Mm-hmm. So at least that gives us time. Hopefully to, in the next decade doing this podcast, up. we have something we with that land. The peaks are moving to the tides. <laughs> <laughs> Golf course. There you it's go. All right. That's end of my story. Awesome. I have two things. I actually have three, but I'm limiting myself to two. The, <laughs> the first is from, again, my visit to, to Dallas to the Builder 20 Club. And then it's continued on. I, I left that visit having a renewed sense of of just feeling very proud of the builders there, um, many of whom work with us at Do You Convert, but, but, but several who don't as well, of just how... Thoughtful ownership has been, generally speaking. Um, I, I do feel like even though I, I rail a lot about kind of the boomer mentality of of CEOs of, of home building and companies and how risk averse they are to technology and and doing things new, different, or better, um, I got to say, as I reflect back on the type of of individuals running home building organizations or working in them in 2006, 2007, um, we do have just generally speaking, a much better crop of people of all types and in all positions in the industry now. And going back to the, just, you know, trying to level up the conversation, it, it, it really is exciting to see, um, just, just how thoughtful, how engaged again, you guys in, in the Facebook group and other places, just commenting, even, uh, we'll get to this week's. Uh, question of the week and the answers there, but some people who don't necessarily agree, but no one's being weird or, or obnoxious. It's just a really good conversation. So it's just a big, uh, a gold star on everyone's checklist on the wall, you know, like the ones they had in kindergarten, everyone's just generally speaking, doing the best they can and doing a significantly better job given the circumstances than builders would have done in 2006, 2007. So Mm -hmm. good job, everybody. Good job. Gold stars for everybody. I'm going to skip my other one and just give a, give a similar house update because I, I have talked some about how building a, a custom home is difficult. And I, I'm still not certain that I would recommend someone who has never built a home before to go straight to the custom process. But one of the coolest things that we were able to do yesterday, which this is not going to make sense to any of your friends 
who you would talk about this experience with, only people listening to the podcast would under, understand that, is we wa- we did a walkthrough with the HVAC contractor of the house. It's done framing now. Um, there's one window issue that they that they got to fix, but otherwise it's 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 all all there. And so we walked room by room and we were able to determine where the registers were in the floor or the ceiling and the hot air return or the cold air return in the house. That sounds like, again, some of you are like, that, that's just weird. But most of the builders I have worked with, including Heartland, uh, some of the time, they're this great floor plan, great design. And, and then like smack dab in the middle of the foyer, like the two-story grand foyer, mm-hmm. there's this big grate that's like two oh. foot by three foot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, sometimes I remember uh, at Miranda here in Columbus, uh, there, was a, there was a particular floor plan where the vent for the master bedroom was in the middle of the entrance to the hallway to go to the bathroom. You literally were likely to step on the vent you know, like 50% of the time you walked to your bathroom. Just like, why is this here? Well, that's the yeah. most optimal position. What it for, you know, it's one of those little things that definitely <laughs> yeah. was mm-hmm. like, this is why custom can be really nice is just to be like, we don't want that there. Can, can it move over here? Oh, sure. Yeah, that's no problem. Yeah, we'll move it. Kevin, it's so funny you say that because that was one thing going in that I like made comments about. Like, the vets, like the, just the, being in a home where you couldn't change those things. Mm-hmm. I, I can appreciate. No one even asked. Well, you just showed up yeah, one day and there's right. an extra hole with a vent there. And you're like, oh, <laughs> was this always the plan? Could you, yeah. but, and that's just not the way production and, and semi, mm-hmm. semi custom often works. But that was just, ironically, that's when it really hit me outside of designing the floor plan ourselves with, with the architect. That's when I was like, so this is the upside of custom choosing where you want your <laughs> vents to go. And you can't, you probably could never go back. Like once you've gone down that like custom route. I see that's, that'll be interesting. We might interview Melanie at the end of all this, my wife and have her come on. Cause I'm pretty sure she would still go back. It's very stressful. Like she, well, you know, we went through and made, in my mind, it's like one decision. We're just making decisions about vents and returns and where the thermostats go. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not, not that big of a deal. Um, to her, she's like, I'm at the end of it. She's like, this was so stressful. I was like, what are you talking about? Well, we just made 30 decisions in like an hour. I'm like, yeah, they're all the same decision in different places. I, that's just not how, um, and, and that's again, her comfort level compared to mine. But Kevin, I, you know I what think I at the end of the day, obviously she'll be happy to do it. But yeah. in, in all those micro decisions, again, not everyone's built for that. And that, mm. that was the magic of, of Heartland Homes as a semi-custom builder was, mm-hmm. you know, what is custom? To, custom is that if it's important to you, it's important to us. But if you don't care about trim, we're just going to make sure there's really good trim everywhere. Yeah. Okay, great. If you care, you can tell us that you want to change this here or there. But otherwise, it's just taken care of and done to a high high level. There's definitely, I think, a sweet spot where the majority of people would rather have a more curated experience. And I, you know what? I mm-hmm. To piggyback off of that, I think, like you said, whether it's your first or second, whatever number of house it is, you know, first time builder, you know, someone going down that route, it's not recommended. I was going to say even how we, you know, being 31 with two babies, like it, I, we were probably too early to even go down that custom route because I would stress more not knowing like in 10 years, like something that matters now, what will matter then? So it's simply, you know, you guys having the kids a little older, it, there's so many things too, that if you were to do it when they were babies, there's just things you'd, you'd not, you know, it's just that yeah. all change. I think that's an interesting question too, because I don't know if you've ever heard the saying of, you know, you only, by the time you build your third house, you build the house right. 
<laughs> not, not speaking custom production. It's just like the third time you go through. And I was thinking that as we were leaving the house, I was like, I wonder if that's because you learn what you do and don't like or the mm. priority of certain decisions. I think it's also just you gain more comfort of any, and we, we talk about this concept all the time. Every time someone buys a house, they buy, generally speaking, the most house they can Mm-hmm. given all considerations. So it's always a big stressful decision. Mm-hmm. But this being the third single family home that we will have built and lived in, there's this sense of that extra $500,000, like in the grand scheme of things, the last several times we've moved into a new home that was stressful and expensive and all those things, three months into it, you're like, oh my gosh, that was dumb. Why did we save $1,000 here when we could have just taken care of that and gotten it. <laughs> yep. so, so I think there's also just that pattern of re- realizing to yourself that I don't like the idea of spending more money, but I like the idea of not wishing I had more. Right. And, and I don't know if that's, again, True. a learned thing or just now being old and having more relative wealth in my life than I did when I built my first home at 27. Is, is that where that comes from? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or t- I guess I was 23, the first house we built. Let's keep first. All right, moving on to the news. Uh, Two quick announcements. We are looking for another DYC team member. Someone else to add to the team, a digital marketing specialist. Is that the job? We don't really do, job titles are for everyone outside of our organization more so than for inside, but is that, I think that's what it's called. Whatever you want to be here. Yeah, (laughs) you just need to have uh, some some home builder marketing experience, want to join an amazing team. Uh, Also, this is kind of a hot button thing right now. You like working remote. There's people who have hated this whole working remote life. And there's other people who have said, I will, I will quit before you make me come back five days a week to the office. So everyone has a different perspective on that. Now, at least before we always had to have that conversation, like a lot, like, do you really want to work from home? Uh, Because this could be a, but now everyone kind of understands what they're getting into there. Yep. Uh, We'll have a link to the show note to put your information in if you would like to be considered for that role. And we encourage as many people in when in doubt, don't, don't overthink it. Don't think I'm not, I'm not ready. I don't know enough. Toss it out there and we'll see where we'll see where it all goes. Mm -hmm. And then quickly, this may be sold out by the time you hear this when, when this episode airs, but the tickets for the market proof marketing Academy will be going on sale very soon. And that event will take place on June 8th, 9th and 10th. And then the online sales academy similarly will be going on sale relatively soon. And that will be on June 23rd, 24th, and 25th. So check out the links in the show notes for both those if if tickets are still available. And then again, many of you have over 200, almost 200 people have signed up for the online sales and marketing summit, which will be back in person in Dallas, Texas on August 19th and 20th. Nice. Yay. So exciting. Very exciting. I'm ready for in person. Yeah. It. (laughs) Again, Mike, Mike Lyon listened to the last week's episode where I mentioned like, Hey, if you're, if you're a builder in Maine, North Dakota, all these places, I've never, I haven't been to visit, to, to visit a builder. I've been to most of these places, but not to visit a builder. I'll just let me know. He's like, you're doing like revenge travel, like all the time. <laughs> you have, you're just, revenge. you're just going out there. And that's true. I just, I want to, I want to get back out there and, uh, all right. On to the first actual story from the wall street journal, the housing market is crazier than it's been since 2006. Limited inventory, low interest rates, and bidding wars are driving prices sky high. It's just taken a little bit of joy out of the process, is a, is a, is a quote. And that's I, I think this is why Jackie Lipinski thought you should be on this episode. 
is that sense of, I mean, uh, I went to a, a meeting here on a community launch where a broker agent team was going to be doing the sales. And as they were all coming in, they were like, they're all getting off the phone or had just talked to someone and they're like, man, it's just so freaking competitive out there. Like, you know, I made 12 offers on this one home for somebody and we still lost and uh, there's not enough listings to go around for everyone. And so I, th I think we've kind of talked about this almost for a year and a half now. The market has been so good for builders that there is some of the joy out of even the success we're, we're, we're experiencing on our end Mm -hmm. selling so many homes, right? So you can imagine from the consumer's end, it's it's tough as well. I think, you know, some of the organic search data, which I've posted on LinkedIn and the Facebook group before, uh, search activity, organic search activity has come down a little bit from the January, February highs. And I think there's some of this in there. I also think it has a little bit to do with spring break happening um, at different different points in time over the last couple of weeks. And I think it will come back a little bit as we go into the summer months and people trying to get into a home before uh, school starts. But like the article says, prices are up virtually everywhere. Essentially, in most places, we've had three years worth of a price average price appreciation on a home show up in the last 12 months. It's crazy. Yep. And, and the demographics of millennials, you know, continuing to be a bigger part of the housing market. We talked again last week about all the boomers who are retiring are now like, yeah, Give me my second home, but they're still not necessarily selling their original home either. Um, all those things contributing to a tighter and tighter marketplace out there. And I still, though, there's only been one article that I've seen, and it was by a local realtor trade publication, talked about the fact that builders are intentionally choosing not to sell. I still don't understand why the, the media isn't talking more about that, but... Allie Wolf on Twitter just posted that a, a she didn't say the name. A large private builder just said, "We're done." Again, this still blows wow. my mind. We're done letting salespeople talk to customers <laughs> because we have nothing to sell. Mm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to have uh, data on that, um, as well as I've seen down here, and maybe it's a a Florida thing, but um, a few people we know receive and then sell their homes. And their houses are not listed, and they were approached by real estate agents. And they're, oh. one was on the water, and yeah. the other one was on a golf course. So they're like nice houses, perfect locations, stupid offers. Um, oh yeah, but then they sell. But just like I don't know, what you'd call that like, like a, I it's, don't it's a phantom. It's a phantom sale. It's not necessarily going to show up anywhere. Wow. Uh, yeah. In the MLS data, quite a bit or not quite a bit, but most they've yeah. all been. We, um, I mean, just. People in our neighborhood who know that we're building have said, hey, we've got friends who really want to live in this neighborhood. Can they, I mean, and one one gentleman, like probably every month, he's like, you guys have a price yet? You have a price <gasps> yet? You moving yet? Oh my yet? gosh, Kevin. Um, like, yeah. That's incredible. That's yeah, right. That's the other update is we are going to go ahead and list our current house sooner than later. Yeah. And rent it back <laughs> until the other house is done. That's smart. Um, so I'll, I'll keep you updated on that. I nice. think, ironically, the last two houses we've sold we did not using an agent, but um, I think this time we are going to use an agent at a, at a slightly different commission structure just because I don't want to talk to 50 people. If there are 50 people who want to put in an mm -hmm. offer, mm. and I, I, last night I was like, Melanie, do you, do you want to talk to 50 people? She's like, are you kidding me? I don't want to talk to 50 people. Right. <laughs> an yeah. agent sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. So ironically, it, as someone who hasn't used an agent for the last two transactions in the best housing market ever, I'm like, I... I think this is totally worth um, a certain amount. 
not necessarily the full 3%, but a certain amount. There you go. A certain amount. That's good. Kevin, how far away is the new Oakley build from where you guys currently? Uh, end of September, but okay. our, our windows have been delayed a couple of weeks so far. Okay. We'll see if they're continue to be delayed. That's exciting. Um, yeah, I keep telling Melanie just plan for November, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. see and then goes. how is it um, close? Like, is it about like 15 minutes? Away? Like, not Oh, too- it's um, three minutes down the road. Oh, yeah. stop it. Oh, yeah. that's that crazy. Oh my gosh. You ride your bike. Kids, mm-hmm. load up your bikes all your bedroom goods and we're <laughs> biking to the new house. The new family joke is it's going to be so boring over there. You know, like the other day I was talking to my boys and I was like, you're going to be so bored over there. They're like, yeah, we know, right? Like the woods and the river and the neighbors <laughs> and with their quad, the neighbors with their quads always running around. Like it's going to be so boring. <laughs> like dad, we might need some of those to keep up. <laughs> we need some of that. Yeah, uh, right. It's hilarious. Oh, All right, next one up from Bloomberg. Twitter supposedly held discussions for a $4 billion takeover of Clubhouse. It's a fake number. We don't know exactly when this happened, but apparently those those talks uh, didn't end up being productive. And so then Clubhouse basically said, well, we got to around the $4 billion billion mark, so let's just try to raise that money on our own. And so the kind of the speculation here is if there is anyone out there and I don't know how they would get through the regulatory hurdles of a social network buying another network or any anyone else of this size. But if a Facebook or a Twitter or anyone else were going to make a run at purchasing Clubhouse, now would be the time to do it before they get investments, giving them that, an even higher valuation in the future. And I, I still don't, it makes me wonder about the timeline here of, I mean, Clubhouse was an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. I still think it has a huge bandwidth problem that, and I like Twitter spaces better because you can continue to tweet with people who are in the room while you're listening to the conversation in the Twitter space, which that functionality is exactly like clubhouse, but it's part of Twitter. And that's what clubhouse really needs is another way for people who aren't don't have their microphone on to give feedback, to participate, to mm-hmm. communicate with other members of the audience. It's just, it, it is essentially a live podcast platform with currently no built-in way to record and redistribute later. And so I just, that's why we haven't gone back. I, I almost uninstalled the app, although there's like just a few people that I would be interested in listening to in that situation, but it's just really fallen off my radar in terms of something that, you know, keep, keep watching, but I don't know. You guys think anyone actually tries to, to make a purchase? I don't know. It's I don't know. Ugh, those hurdles you just talked about is my hurdles with using it, but I feel like if they solve them, then yeah. they'd be much more likely to be purchased. Like I, I can't go on at like, if I get a notification, like this person's in their room, whatever in clubhouse, like, cool. Well, I'm putting the kids to bed right now yeah. or I'm doing this like neat. Like I don't care anymore. And I think it's out of habit to trust, you know, certain apps that we're just already used to using too. Right. It's just one of those things, like you said about Twitter and being able to jump on and already know. Yeah. And you know, the interesting thing to me is that there Facebook has already had the the room functionality where you can start an immediate group video chat. Now again, mm-hmm. part of the fun of Clubhouse is you don't have to worry about the video. Like you're not the that odd nice. person out if yeah. you mm-hmm. don't have your video on because no one has video on. But that's that's a, if someone acquired Clubhouse, I don't understand why it would continue to be a standalone app. Versus yeah. just being a start your clubhouse in your Facebook group or start your clubhouse on Instagram. Because 
you need this other form of interactivity to really make it work for mm-hmm. most people. I mean, again, if Michael Jordan had a clubhouse, that's awesome because we always want to listen to Michael. But you get in these rooms with 30 people on the on audio and you're like, I didn't sign up to listen to your perspective for two minutes. Yeah, yeah. who's this bum? Like, I don't care about him. <laughs> yeah, you want the big names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Yep. All right. Moving on to searchengineland.com. Reputation Ooh. attack sites have plummeted in Google, but can still harm. Sites like Ripoff Report, Pissed Consumer, and Complaints Board are still a danger for business people and people with a low online presence. And here's some ways that you can reduce that threat. So, Andrew, you, you grabbed this one. Talk to I us grabbed a bit it. More. Yeah. So it's it's one. I think it's interesting to read. And you go through. They talk about different algorithm updates and other updates they've made on Google. Google side that really diminished. Like I remember ripoff report was a huge one, especially mm-hmm. if you think about pre the days before Amazon really dominated everything. Mm-hmm. You didn't always shop at Amazon, which is like so foreign feeling now. Um, you know, I have the e-commerce background. So like these sites were like super important. If we got like one thing on there and all of a sudden the way that they were doing SEO, say um, ripoff report, they could rank, you put your brand name in, they could be like number two. Yeah. Right underneath your brand name. So they and Rip Off Report was well, even worse. I remember someone telling me about, about them. I, I didn't have any interaction myself, but essentially it, it is, as the article says, a barely legal extortion scheme. Yeah, because pretty, pretty the only way to even respond is to pay a corporate advocacy fee. Like, oh, oh you got a bad review? That's and cute. It, a lot it of can't money. go away. But if you pay us a ton of money, then oh, you wow. can be part of, you know, a, a response to to the review. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting to read the history on that and just see how they've gone. And you look at the charts, you're like, oh, okay, cool. Like they're pretty much dead now. Like we don't need to worry about them. But I think it's something to be on everyone's radar as I don't know how to predict this. I feel like late this year, early next year, and then a year from now, builder reputation online. And that's where it's going to be uh, the most tense or the most uh, volatile or or the possibility for negative reviews will be at its peak mm-hmm. as we have the initial people starting to close and move to their homes. And could there be issues, not issues? That's a good point. Yeah. And those will be the people yep. I think that will have the problems versus like now I think the homes being sold today or say the next over summer aren't in that window um, mm-hmm. where things have kind of been settled a little bit, even though it's still crazy. But at least now I think builders have processes in place to try to manage um, expectations a little bit more. But we still have all these tons and tons of sales where there might be a little bit of disappointment. And so I think just being on top of reputation management and trying to be ahead of it is going to be big. Mm-hmm. And now what is your opinion? Cause I was going to say while reading through this article, you know, they they give the advice to, especially these websites, like, you know, you can almost hurt yourself more by responding or, you know, over defending and different things like it's that. Interesting. It's interesting. Like- yeah. We, we've had a lot of builders, I think preemptively to your point, Andrew, ask these questions on calls. And Jackie, mm-hmm. the, the thing we have to talk through is if you're using a service like Avid, mm-hmm. that's, that should probably continue to be your number one place you're, you're pushing the reviews to. Avid has a public facing um, review page that does show up in search. The star rating can, can be used in multiple different ways. You can link to it on the footer of your website. But as mm-hmm. the primary place where reviews should should be focused or getting reviews, that's really it because of not, not necessarily controls the word I want to use, but that's not what I mean. It's not that you can manipulate the results, but Avid, you know, th- those reviews roll off after a period of time, both good and bad. And so 
Mm. how good of a builder you are in 2020 matters more than how good of a builder you were in 2017. A builder who True. was great in 2017 could have 15,000 positive reviews and then, yep. you know, a, a relatively small number of really bad reviews don't have a huge effect. Yeah. So where, whereas if you keep prioritizing Google or publicly talking about Google or Facebook or other review places, you're also kind of telling the consumer exactly where to kick you to cause the most harm or yeah. to get the biggest reaction. Mm -hmm. That's true. Another thing they talk about in there is essentially trying to dominate your brand terms, which I think is important. Like if we give you another reason, if you're not on all of these social platforms to at least get started on those. So that if someone types in quality home builders, Oakley builders, peak builders, whatever the brand name is, mm -hmm. your site's pulling up, then probably Facebook, then probably Instagram, Avid will be in there. Um, and then maybe you would have Twitter, maybe you'd have TikTok, maybe you'd have YouTube. So try to have your branded things show up first yeah. instead of some other site like this, which it's not as big of a deal now than it was, say, two years ago, where if you put in your brand term, this consumer ripoff report could show up. We're trying to get those on there. But you might as well try to control the message as much as you can um, if you think this is a risk for your, for your builder. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and I think, you know, if we look into the not-too-distant future... I should think more about this before I say it uh, for the world to hear. I think the two most important words for home builders will be transparency and access, mm. not advertising or brand or any of that stuff. By transparency, you know, transparency on pricing, transparency on selection availability and options, transparency on timeframes. And then access, meaning access to that data whenever you want it, access to your model homes whenever they want it, access to your sales team whenever they want it. To me, those are, I mean, I, you know, I need to write those two down because I think that's, that strikes me as, as the two most important things. Mm -hmm. and, and ratings and reviews tie into that, right? If you don't have transparency on reviews, that's going to be a big problem. Um, yeah, that's a good yeah. point. You know, you see, you know, this perfect example, you know, the... Amazon, uh, 15,000 five stars. It's like, oh, okay. Like, come on. Like it, it, sometimes it, you know, some of the little bit, a little bit of the, the battle. So yeah, Jeff human. Shore talked about this, um, as the plausibility structure, right? Mm -hmm. Um, he, he came out with a video series where he mentioned he went to go shop for a car and two of the salespeople said, you know, I'm going to take a loss on this deal, but here he is. He's like, just <laughs> shut up already. Like, even if, <laughs> That doesn't sound like it could potentially be true. It's not plausible. Mm -hmm. Now, having listened to one of the best podcasts ever, it's This American Life, and it, and it's a it's a This American Life where they follow a car dealership for a month, and what they explain is that there is actually truth to it, but it's not plausible. So it doesn't matter. Don't say it. The, the truth is that builders mm -hmm. can choose to sell a certain number of cars at a loss because they'll get a reimbursement from the manufacturer. Like if you sell more than a hundred cars we'll give you a $50,000 check. Yeah. And so, so they can lose money on a couple cars to hit that, that like, threshold and then end up making It's a like a deferred income. So really they're, be, they're lying. I mean, they're, well, that's the thing is they're, they're saying a factual truth that they feel like is going to help them, but it's not plausible. So yeah. just shut up and don't say it. It's not believable. It doesn't matter if it is true or not. Like, why would you sell me something and lose money? It's, it's not endearing as a salesperson it's to use that tactic. It won't move you along. I agree. Mm -hmm. Shenanigans. 
All right, another uh, Andrew edition here. Another one. Uh, yeah. co- coded bias. Uh, you, you love all things streaming. Uh, I do like streaming. This was, I was out yesterday. I was under the weather. So I felt like being productive while sitting there on the couch, being a crazy person. And so I, I saw this one and it was really interesting. Essentially, coded bias is can algorithms um, discriminate or have bias? And so it's it really interesting. This yeah. was focused on facial recognition software. Mm. And then it goes to, I don't know if people think like, I can't get, I'm not going to get political, but like the freedoms we have in where we are compared to say like UK, where they have the most CCTV anywhere density wise, like cameras watching, mm-hmm. um, they have facial recognition everywhere. It's, it's creepy if you think about it versus like I could walk mm-hmm. outside my home, there's no cameras watching me. So anyway, so you watch this and you're like, oh, this is really interesting. But then you go to what's the application of this from the advertising perspective, not with this kind of the show had its own bias. So yeah. that's interesting. A show about bias has its own bias. Like, <laughs> everything has a bias. That's why we should all just bias. be clear about what our biases are. Like if exactly. you can't tell what someone's bias is, then you should just ask them. Mm-hmm. What's your bias? <laughs> and so, so it made me think like, oh, okay, how is Facebook's algorithm working to display the most relevant ads to people? Mm. They have amazing facial recognition software. They're rather transparent on, there's another link, ai.facebook.com. They're rather transparent on their efforts to try to make sure their algorithm does not have bias. So I'm like, this is crazy. And I just clicked yesterday sitting there watching the show, like they're using facial recognition software to essentially establish our own connections that we're not implicitly telling Facebook to then mm-hmm. show ads. So if, I'm, if we go to the summit and there's pictures of the team together, Facebook is connecting this together. They're mm-hmm. putting all these keywords about this time mm-hmm. frame. They're seeing our location of where we are in Texas. Da, yep. da, da, da. And then I'm going to start seeing, you know, we're going to start. Here's a, Kevin Mike start seeing like makeup ads again, stuff, right? Makeup, because, like, yeah. And they'll start testing that with us. I'm like, oh, it's stuck. And so people, mm. and you hear like the the rumor, like, oh, Facebook's listening to right. your, yeah, yeah, to your phone. I promise like, I didn't look up cat food on my phone. No, but I, your son did, or your wife, you know, your someone else did. around you did. Or you're in a picture with someone who just spent $1,000 on a cat food subscription. <laughs> so Facebook's going like, let's try it on these other people right. yeah, because right. they could have talked about it and maybe it has success. This goes into the illusion of free will. The idea of cat yes. food as a thing that you're discussing didn't drop out of nowhere. Somewhere else in your life, something happened somewhere. that prompted you to say, I'm going to choose cat food as the thing to say out loud and then see if Facebook's listening. <laughs> it, it kind of explains how much we don't understand how our brains work. Like the reason you picked cat food out of nothing is because it's exactly not nothing. Right. Somewhere in your mind that, yes. that's sitting there. It's sitting there. And so like mm. the, the whole point in this, because that could be like, okay, what does this have to do with anything? Um, if you have conspiracy theories, by the way, show it to you convert.com. I would yes. love to hear. Send, send them in. We'll talk about them. Um, <laughs> not a conspiracy theorist, but it may, it just makes me think like if you're watching these types of shows, if you're looking at this type of content, when you do have to explain things to leadership or anyone for that matter, that has to do with your job, your advertising, your budget, et cetera, having just a broader understanding and application of this will help you articulate, I think, these uh, these concepts, which are rather heady or just like kind of in yeah. theory. And, and I think that's probably why, Kevin, I know you're like engaged in everything and you could just like, people are like, how's Kevin just talk about this stuff like nonstop? I'm like, well, I think he's in it nonstop too. I'm in it like, nonstop. I actually have more to talk about because of that, I mean, I think one of the things that's really interesting about how AI is currently applied to advertising is it works because it's not actually exact. 
meaning where facial recognition or any application of AI currently would go wrong is to say there will be zero waste in the system or approach. Because zero waste means I'm going to cheat. Uh, again, we talk about the AIs like puppy dogs or, or a really smart two-year-old. Yeah. If you explain the rules of the game and you say you can never lose, so I'm only going to pay you when someone purchases this thing, naturally it's going to start looking at the behaviors or the type of people, whether that is demographic or racial or anything else, is going to say, who is buying this already? Okay, those are the people. And it's, and again, it's not from a, from a racial or bias perspective. It's just looking at the data of who is currently buying this. And mm -hmm. I'm going to cherry pick and only show it to those people. So that's, yeah, you can't have this, I don't want to waste anything mentality, which some of you work with those kind of people in the CFO role or the CEO role where they're like account for every dollar a thousand percent or it's complete waste and we're never spending it again. That's not how marketing or advertising should work, especially around AI. The whole brilliance of it is, yeah, we understand this is historically the people who have done it, but we should keep producing experiments every 10 seconds that take every other experiments results into account and continue to experiment, which means there is going to be waste. But the waste lets you capture that one additional buyer or two additional buyers who are outside of the predictable sphere of people to target. Mm -hmm. I didn't think we'd have that much to talk about this, but yeah, that's that's part, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> essentially, yeah, it's looking at the past to predict the future, I think was the like a big quote in there was that's how AIs function. And they get they had one really cool example of which I think it really explains that is I think it was Amazon got in trouble for their algorithm they used for their applications where it was discriminating because it took the previous previous uh -huh. hires who was most successful, who had job evaluations that are positive, growth, all this stuff. So yeah. essentially the AI cheated. It, it doesn't look for the outliers. It doesn't say it, no, just because it, we haven't had a great person from Japan in this role doesn't mean exactly. we should exclude all people in the future from Japan in this role. So it excluded all um, women-only colleges and like all these things where wow. you're like, all right, excuse me, <laughs> they got in trouble. Um, How stupid but then, is that? Then they explain why, and it's because the algorithm cheated. Yeah. It wasn't, it was a bias, but it was an unknown bias. It wasn't intentionally put into there. Um, but essentially, yeah, it's, it's interesting, interesting concepts. Yeah. So much more to, to talk about that, but I'm pretty there sure is. half the audience has fallen asleep at this point. So wake <laughs> up. Uh, time to go to this week's question of the week, da -da -da -da. which, uh, uh, again, I, I kind of like this method of putting the question up before the podcast so we can kind of just look at the answers and then you can continue yeah. to contribute uh, to that question if you want to go back in. Was what is your prediction for what the market looks like in Q1 of 2022? So 2022, what do you think at the beginning of the year? And uh, Greg Markey kicked it off and said, all right, I'll go first. I imagine we see housing markets cool off from where they are now back down to moderate levels. As COVID ends, that will happen, right? He says. And consumer discretionary spending moves to travel and other post-pandemic items, focus will begin to go elsewhere. However, low interest rates will keep the market consistent into 2022. Happy to be proven wrong, though. Chad Sanchagrin said the demand for housing will cool off a bit, but new home sales will continue to be high as new home sales professionals will increase conversion rates based on the fact that they have become accustomed to a high amount of monthly sales and commissions and refuse to go back. So they're just going to keep selling more because they want the the paycheck and the and the consistency. Mm -hmm. um, so traffic goes down, but sales stays steady. 
And I think there's there's definitely already, again, website data is showing we don't need as many visitors to the site if they are primed and educated and able to move forward easily without friction. We don't we don't need more. Yeah, I like Steve Shoemakers. He has the he has the best way of saying things. Um, it will be like trying to buy toilet paper on April 2020, <laughs> higher than normal demand, insanely low supply. Yep. Uh, what's also interesting here is depending on where you are in the country, definitely gives your uh, answer its own bias. So we're by, bias towards Oh, for sure. Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. bias is everywhere all the time. For sure. I, think about Oklahoma versus where was uh, Greg? He, I think, well, he's over a lot of markets, isn't he? Yeah. Canada. Uh-huh. Okay. So mm, yeah, I different think markets for sure. The, the really interesting interesting point that Steve makes is, you know, my first reaction was, I mean, it, yeah, but now we have all this extra toilet paper. So I'm not sure we want to use that example because now there's like four aisles at Costco with nothing but toilet paper. And we don't want extra. <laughs> right. But I think Bye. his point is if he's looking at the time frame of Q1 2022, even if we suddenly get framers who fall out of the sky in every market and the, there's so much backlog to work through and homes currently under construction and ones that have sold and not yet started, that it would take, I, th- I, I think even if we got it relatively soon, we'd still be in a situation where demand would outstrip supply in Q1 of next year. Mm-hmm. Just It'll take that long to work through it. Yeah. I was going to say, Martha Clifford, she said, I'm not sure what will happen in Q1, but I see demand falling off due to a bunch of factors, including pricing continuing to rise, as well as rates. And some markets might either, even favor renting over buying. I don't see that affecting a majority of markets. Yeah. There, there is just huge demand from investors, uh, single family rental organizations, um, pension funds. Everyone wants to own a piece of real estate right now because they understand that if inflation does hit, stocks and real estate will be the two best assets to own mm-hmm. because those will kind of float up with the tide of inflation uh, more so than others. And so I think that's that's right on. Uh, two more real quick. One from Taylor says, I agree with several of these comments. The demand will stay steady, but the supply will stay low at the beginning of 2022. Land supply will begin to catch up a bit at the end of 22 into 23. This comes from all the land that was purchased in 2020 in the insane times. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a really interesting point. Um, Ivy Zellman made the same one that most of the land being purchased now or in 2020, the performas assume that the land will continue to be worth at least as much as it was in 2020 or early 2021, and that the sales pace will be equal to that. So that's that's one of the things that a lot of people, and, and I tend to agree, say that if there is a bubble in housing right now that will be detrimental to the industry, it's in the land side. Do you think that will have a lot of product changes? Like we'll see more townhome projects or much smaller home site sizes. Mm, interesting question. I think, yes, product changes will probably, for, for many builders, some builders have a really good organizational discipline and they're like, we don't care what happens. Um, if it doesn't fit the product we build, we're not doing it. But I think most builders were were and are in such a dire need for home sites that they'll be like, yeah, this kind of sucks. We're gonna have to build a new series of single family homes to fit this this lot dimension, but... What are you going to do? We need those home sites. So sign them up and we'll figure it out later. I think there's going to be a lot of that, that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just throw it out there. I've, this is the second time I'm saying uh, a somewhat uninformed. I mean, I have thought about this, but I, I, I think 2024 
is when things really get tough. I think I think 2023 parts of the year will be tough. I think 2024 is when you're going to really need to have all of your stuff together and lined up and ready to go. So for whatever that's worth, there's more comments in the Facebook group. Definitely head over there. Also, for everyone who has made a comment so far, you're eligible for a $50 gift certificate to Amazon. Nice. Because this is a risky one. Like, heck, half of you, we read your name uh, and and read your <laughs> your comment. So that's I understand true. it's scary to make predictions, um, but it's also fun. And uh, yeah. so we'll pick a winner for that gift card. All right. That'll do it for this week. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. See you next week. See ya.